ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my purpose girls. So I'm going to be pretty vulnerable in this episode and share something that's going on with me and how I'm dealing with it so that you can. I've shared before that I have had anxiety, according to my mom, since I was three years old. I have what's called general anxiety disorder, and I have it pretty well under control. I take an anxiety medication. I have tools, like that's why I go running. I dance. I do a ton of tools that I'm going to talk about today. But it got really bad, like really, really, really bad a few years ago. I was starting and building Purpose Girl. I was trying to have a baby. I went through the infertility struggle, the multiple miscarriages. And during that time, sister, I would have a panic attack, a major panic attack, nearly every day. Nearly every day, I would get on the floor and crawl on the hard, cold wood floor, crying, grasping. And then I would need to get up and coach about happiness or go on the radio on SiriusXM and talk about happiness or go do a talk at a company about happiness. And it's not that I was ever lying talking about happiness because I genuinely was a happy person. Yeah, I had some shitty things happen with the miscarriages, but I felt generally happy. It's just that my nervous system, my nervous system couldn't keep up with all of the trauma, really. And I don't think at the time I had identified it as trauma, but having the miscarriages is traumatic, right? There's trauma on the body for having begun to carry a baby and create the hormones and create a human, and then trauma on the body when that baby leaves. And then, of course, there's trauma mentally and emotionally, Not to mention, I've shared before that I was abused by my first love, physically abused for about a year when I was 17, or that I got divorced when I was 26. Even though it was my choice, it still is traumatic. It was a massive life event that shifted things, and there are many more traumas. And what has been happening is that since starting Purpose Girl, I think that my trauma body, the stress response, has been even higher. Now, it might seem like, why would that be when I'm following my dream and I love this and I love working with all of you and working with my clients and doing the podcast and doing the radio and I love speaking to huge audiences of women and I love seeing you up on your feet going for your purpose. So why would that cause more anxiety? Why would that trip up a trauma response? Because it's fear. I have a core trauma fear around being liked, a core trauma fear around failure, a core trauma fear around if I'm going to look stupid, right? These are human-based core trauma fears. And so during that time of the miscarriage, I think that my nervous system couldn't handle 
both starting my purpose business, putting myself out there in the world, kind of like raw and naked saying, hey, here I am. Do you want to love me? (laughs) And all that was going on. And this is something I notice with all of my clients who are really going for their purpose. They get all excited on a coaching session with me. They're so raring to go. And then when they get ready to do the social media post, get ready to put out the letter to the company, get ready to go ask for the promotion, get ready to do the presentation, get ready to start the business, whatever it is, the anxiety amps up. The worry amps up. The fear voice, as Jen Pasteloff calls the inner asshole or Christina Rilo calls it your inner mean girl, whatever you call it, that fear brain kicks up and overloads your system with the anxiety as it is supposed to because we have the anxiety and the worry to keep us safe. And so it seems like our nervous system is out of whack. It's actually that our nervous system is working well. It's just working on overdrive. And so what I'm going to address today is how to work with your nervous system so that you can still pursue your purpose no matter what is going on in your life. Still pursue your purpose even when you are afraid, even when you have that anxiety. Because when that anxiety causes the stress response, the trauma response, the fight, flight, freeze, if it paralyzes you from taking action, then you will never move forward on your purpose. If it causes you to run away from your purpose, then you will never pursue it. If it causes you to fight internally with yourself or others and take it out on others, you will never pursue that purpose. And so today's episode is how do we calm our nervous system? How do we work with our nervous system in order to fulfill our purpose? And I'm going to share a process that I'm currently going through because my nervous system has been amped up lately. As I launched Goddess Unleashed, and I put myself out there on the internet in pictures in lingerie. I put myself on the internet in pictures of little gold booties. I put myself on the internet like big and bold. My nervous system has been amping up again. And you know what? Thank goodness it's been amping up. I haven't liked it. I want it to go away. But it's amping up because it's trying to protect me. It's saying, oh my God, if you do that, Maybe then a big company like Amazon won't hire you. It's amping up going, oh my God, if you do that, your mom or your sister or your brother is going to think that you've gone crazy and judge you. It's filling up my whole body with worry and triggering some core wounds and beliefs that I'm going to talk about. We all have core wounds and beliefs. And so I want to share with you a very real-time process of how I'm working with my nervous system so that you can work with yours. I told you it's going to be a vulnerable episode. It's going to be a juicy episode because if you're like me and really every client that I have, your nervous system and your worry and your anxiety goes up around purpose. First, of course, let me read the review of the week. This is a five-star review called Purpose by Kate Ireland in the USA. She says, in all caps, you will never regret starting your day with Karen. Aw, that makes me feel so good. Thank you. 
She says, I love you so much, Karen. Thank you. I love you. Happy one year. I started listening to you one year ago today and have not missed an episode since. I love you, exclamation point, exclamation point. Keep going, exclamation point, exclamation point. You're my soulmate, exclamation point, exclamation point. Oh my goddess, Kate, you're my soulmate. You use as many exclamation points as I do. I'm a massive exclamation point user. I love you, woman, wherever you are. Please connect with me on the socials, on Instagram at Karen Rockhind or in the Facebook group, Purpose Girls Facebook group, so that we can connect and virtual hug and all the things. Thank you so much. And all of you out there, reviews like Kate's help me get those amazing guests that I get, help me get sponsors, which helps keep the Purpose Girl podcast going. So if you love it, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen right now, pause the podcast, go leave your five-star review. It takes 60 seconds to leave one sentence and helps me and other women around the world so much. All right, let's dive into this anxiety nervous system episode. So first, let's talk a little bit about anxiety. Do you have anxiety? Let's just start with that base question. Do you also suffer from or have anxiety, whether it is massive like mine has been or it is in some degree? And what about around purpose? Does the thought of purpose give you some anxiety? Now, ideally, it's giving you some excitement too, like, oh, I want that or else why would you be listening to the Purpose Girl podcast? But several years ago, I advised a thesis in my master's program, the Master's of Applied Positive Psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, a wonderful woman named Larissa Rainey. And she did her whole thesis on what she coined purpose anxiety. And she researched hundreds of people and found that more than 90% of them had what she called purpose anxiety, meaning that when they thought about their purpose, it caused anxiety, either because they didn't know what it was or how to find it, or because they were afraid that they would never fulfill it. They didn't know how to do it. They didn't know the steps to take. And so purpose was causing anxiety, which like breaks my heart. And I know it's true. It breaks my heart because I also know that when you're living with purpose, you have a high degree of life satisfaction. You have a high degree of optimism. You have a high degree of hope. It actually helps to combat things like depression. And so how can purpose be doing both? Well, I think it's the matter of how are you comfortable in your own body with purpose? How are you treating that purpose? If you're treating it like this thing that it will never happen, but you want it so badly, it's going to cause you anxiety. If you treat purpose as inherent within you, and that you can't mess it up, and that it's a day-by-day, step-by-step, and you work the tools that I'm going to go through today, then you get that life satisfaction. And listen, I'm not saying any of this is easy. It's tools and daily work. One of my clients just said to me yesterday, like, oh, I don't want to do personal development work every day. I'm like, got it. Me either. But let's not look at it as work. Let's look at it as tools to live this magical, delicious life that we want to live. And if we can use tools like daily journaling about what we're proud of ourselves, proving to ourselves that we can trust ourselves, journaling our vision and our dreams and our desires, future bragging to ourselves that it's already done, we can do beautiful exercises around breathing and meditation, then it doesn't have to cause so much anxiety. 
I think the anxiety comes from thinking that we have to get it quote unquote right, that it's got to be perfect, right? So it's not that purpose is really the issue. I think it's how we're seeing purpose. Now, here's the thing. Anxiety is the world's leading mental illness. It's the most common mental illness. Our world of data in 2018 said that it is affecting 284 million people around the world. Females more than males. And in the United States alone, right, I live here, so I'm just going to give you the data here. And of course, you can look at whatever country you live in. But during the pandemic, right, between August of 2020 and February of 2021, the percentage of adults with recent symptoms of anxiety or a depressive disorder increased from 36.4% to 41.5%. So an increase of 5%. And of course, because the pandemic caused a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety, a lot of what is going to happen? How is this going to affect my family? How is it going to affect me? And so let's talk about what do we do about it? Right? So even what is anxiety? Well, anxiety is persistent worry, persistent fear, persistent stress. You're constantly in that loop of the what if. And let's be clear, it's the what if it all goes wrong. Because if you're in a constant loop of what if it all goes right, ooh, what if I put out that post and someone responds to me and says that they want me to make the flowers for their wedding? Ooh, what if I go on the internet dating and I find someone who could become a great friend or I find a future partner or I find a lot of fun and sexy flirting? What if I pursue that purpose And I get the bigger job. I get the promotion. Like if we were doing it in the positive, it wouldn't cause all of this anxiety. It's that we're constantly worried that it's going to go wrong. And therein lies the issue. That our brains think that something will go wrong. Now, this is normal. Okay, this is normal. Our brains have something called negativity bias. I've talked about it before, but let me share in case you're new here or you don't remember. Because our brains are survival mechanisms, they are designed to keep you safe in this big, bad world. And there is a more than 98% overlap between your brain now and our early ancestors' brains. Meaning that their brains, which constantly had to be on the lookout for survival, constantly had to be worried, do we have enough food to make it through the rainy season? These were wandering people. They didn't have like big grocery stores, Safeways and Giants or whatever your grocery store, Kroger. They didn't have that. They didn't have all these restaurants that they could go eat at. They had to know, are we going to make it through the winter? Can we kill enough meat, deer, whatever it might be? Are those berries poisonous? Can we eat them? Will my partner, my family return back from hunting and gathering? Will we get disease? Can we trust those people? It was a lot of worrying to keep them safe. And if you weren't in that worry and you're just like, oh, whatever happens, it's cool, I'll eat those berries, pretty good chance that you would die. (laughs) So we built a really strong worry mechanism to the point where research shows that worry actually feels good to our brain. We release a little bit of dopamine, which is the feel-good reward hormone when we worry. And so when it gets that dopamine, it's like, oh, I must be doing something right. So it keeps doing it. And some of us have this more and in more pronounced forms than others. But this is very human. Now, here's the thing about our early ancestors, though. 
they weren't in this state all the time. Yes, they had to be able to react from that fear place often. But most of the time, they were actually in a state of rest. They would get their big meal. Let's say that someone killed a deer and they would have food for several days and they'd be able to ah, relax for a few days. They would settle into some land, see that it was open, it was safe. Ah, they could relax for a little while. They actually spent more time in the relaxed state than they did in the worry, fight, flight, fear, freeze state. The difference is that in our chaotic world, where it's go, 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 do, 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 compete, 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 get ahead. How do I get more? How do I do this? How do I do that? And then you add on top of it purpose. I want it so bad. I want to be able to live it. I want to know how to do it. I'm beating myself up for not doing it. We're in a constant state of worry. And what we actually know from the research is that this is terribly bad for our bodies. Our bodies were designed to handle the worry and anxiety for about a 90-second cycle. What happens is to your body, you have that stress response. So let's just think about an early ancestor that saw an animal charging toward them, okay? They were resting, they were enjoying, and an animal started charging toward them. Their body all of a sudden kicks off their stress response. So what happens is that the blood starts going to the extremities, like your legs and your arms, so that they could run away. Your body cuts off access to systems it won't need, like your reproductive system and other systems, in order to really put all of the energy on fighting or fleeing. You get a jolt of cortisol, which allows you to have that adrenaline response, right? The adrenaline rush, the run. It's all designed for you to have that fight, flee moment. And the cycle, it's only supposed to last in your body for 90 seconds because the completion of the cycle is that you move your body, you run away, or you fight it off. And it's the fighting, like try right now, try just shaking your arms, unless you're driving a car, then try like just shaking your hips a little bit or move over to the side of the road and put in park for a second, shake your arms, shake your legs, and you'll see that it starts to dissipate some of that fear, worry, stress response. Because you're moving that adrenaline, you're moving that cortisol through your body, and that movement allows you to get back into the rest phase. And that is supposed to be a 90-second cycle in the body. (laughs) Because if you didn't flee within 90 seconds, you were dead. If you didn't fight within 90 seconds, you were dead. So the whole thing is supposed to take 90 seconds. But that's not how we live, right? We are in a constant state of this stress response. And then what happens is we don't actually finish it off because we're so stressed and we're moving from one stressful task to the next stressful task that we aren't running it off. We aren't shaking it off of our bodies. We're not giving our body that completion to be able to go back into rest. And then what starts to happen is that the cortisol builds in our body and that actually is proven to create like a layer of fat around your belly And it causes your blood pressure to rise. It can lead to heart disease and a number of different factors. And so how we manage the stress is so important. Now add in that whatever caused the stress when you were younger, like for me, I switched schools between third and fourth grade. And I had so many friends in third grade and I was just super happy. 
Well, when I went to fourth grade, it was the first time I realized I was supposed to have a certain pair of jeans. Like the girls in the new school had a lot more money than in the other school and then my family. Like I never wanted for anything. It was wonderful. My parents were wonderful and provided everything. But it was in kind of a rich school in fourth grade. And I suddenly noticed that all the girls wore guest jeans. I was like, oh my God, I guess I need guest jeans. Or all the girls had these Cabbage Patch dolls. All the girls took dance from someone named Miss Barbara or Miss Julie. And I was taking dance at the Jewish Community Center, right? It just doesn't sound as cool as like Miss Barbara. And so all of a sudden, my body started a stress response. I got to keep up. I'm not good enough. Oh no, I'm supposed to be like them. In order to be loved, in order to fit in, I got, I got to be like them. So it actually created what I now know in my body was a stress response that I'm not lovable unless I'm like them. And to be lovable, I've got to do all the things that they do, which has then kept with me. And even recently, I found myself around women that I thought were super cool, quote unquote, right? Like they were interesting. They were fun. They were dynamic. They were pretty. And I actually started to feel anxious and worried around them. I'm 47 years old and that same stress response picked up. And it's actually then a trauma response because it's unresolved trauma from the stress when I was younger. It got stuck in my body. I never actually moved it through. Yes, I've been to a lot of talk therapy, but not actually moved it through my body and completed that cycle. Similarly, then when I was 17 and in an abusive relationship, where that then leads and creates a stress response, a trauma response in my body around trust. Can I trust anyone? And the answer was no. Similarly, I've discovered lately, when I was a little girl, I'm the youngest, and there would be a lot of fighting between my older brother and my dad. Like, all's good now. They all love each other. But like, my brother was a teenager and being a teenage boy. So he and my dad would argue on one side of my bedroom, and my sister and my mom might be having some sort of argument on the other side of my bedroom. And there were nights I would be in my room all alone crying, can we all just get along? And I would rock myself to sleep with my little lion blankie. I remember it so well. And I've recently discovered that I have this core wound that I'm alone. And it's actually something I say to Josh a lot. He'll be sitting right there. And if I'm having a problem, let's say it's a problem with work or it's a problem with something in the team or whatever is happening, my whole body will kick into saying, I'm alone in this. I'm alone in this. I'm alone in this. Even though he wants to help me through it. He wants to support me. He's asking me questions. My trauma response goes back to being that eight-year-old girl. I'm alone in this. Similarly, whenever I post, and I post a lot on social media, the fourth grade girl thing kicks in. Will they like me? Will they approve of me? Will I get the likes? Will you love me? And I share those examples. They're very real examples. And it's scary to share with you the very real examples of my life because sometimes my brain says, uh, who's ever going to want to work with a coach who has anxiety? Who's ever going to want to work with a coach like this? But I constantly hear from all of you and from all my clients that me sharing the truth is actually more helpful to you. So these are all stress responses that I had when I was younger, but got stuck in my body now as a trauma response. So that when it's triggered, like posting on social media or something going wrong with my purpose, wrong, quote unquote, it triggers an actual trauma response. The trauma response, I'm unlovable or I am not loved. 
It's all going to go wrong. I'm going to fail. No one likes me. No one loves me. It's going to fall apart. I got to do it alone. And that trauma response keeps going in my body unless I really work with it. And what I've noticed is when I operate out of that trauma response, which I just want to out myself that I have a lot lately. I think since starting to put Goddess Unleashed out in the world, right, this unleashing of my even bigger, bolder self, it's kicked up even more. And this happens. You might think, oh, I've kind of resolved this thing in my body. I don't have that fear around purpose anymore. And then when you go bigger, it will kick back up. Because that whole response is just there to protect you, right? My trauma response of saying I'm not lovable is trying to keep me from posting, keep me from putting myself out there and being rejected like I was when I was younger. Those fourth grade girls actually didn't reject me. It was when I got to fifth or sixth grade that they started rejecting me. But that rejection got lodged in my body and said, if we just don't put ourselves out there, we don't have to face people not loving us. So stay safe. And so it's actually beautiful. It's actually protective, even though it sounds like a real jerk in my head. And the alone thing came up big time with a team member recently, where I felt like the team member wasn't doing what I needed the team member to do. And then I found that I'm alone thing and really hyping into being way overreactive. And I've apologized profusely and this person has forgiven me. But the overreacting comes from a trauma response. It's as if in that moment, it's not me. Now I need to take responsibility, radical responsibility. We each need to take radical responsibility, but that doesn't mean blaming, right? I think sometimes when we think about, I need to take responsibility for myself. Oh, I'm a piece of shit. I suck. No. Radical responsibility to heal and to learn and to grow. And noticing how some of these stories are impacting my relationships with Josh, with other people, impacting my purpose and how much I put myself out there, then I get to take radical responsibility to say, what am I going to do about it? So I'm going to lay out for you what I'm doing about it so that you can start really feeling into what you can do about it. First and foremost is noticing, do I even have space in my calendar and in my life for me? Because if I'm in the constant go, 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 which is where I've been, I cut my work hours down in order to have my afternoons with Shay. But that's not like relaxing time being with Shay. It's fun most of the time. Yesterday, he was crying for an hour of that time, didn't want to go to the grocery store, didn't want to leave the grocery store, didn't want to get in the car, didn't want to leave the car, didn't want to be in the car seat, you know, (laughs) constant. But it still is go, go, go. And so I reduce my work hours, but I still am doing a very full load and even more so because then there's the pre in the morning and needing to get another human ready with Josh, like we both do it. And then there's the evening of ensuring everything is cleaned up and put away and dinner So it's go, go, go. There isn't a space in my calendar for me. Now, we can talk a lot about self-care. It's like very much a buzzword. And we all know, I need to take care of myself. I need to take care of myself. But I actually have been realizing that if I don't really allow space for and care for my body, I can't live my purpose. 
I've realized that my most important job isn't inspiring and empowering women. That's what I've always thought it was. Well, as long as I thought that, then I would fill up every second of my day. Where else can I inspire? Where else can I empower? How else can I help? What else can I do? What else can I do? What else can I do? My number one responsibility is to take care of my channel, which means my heart, my body, my soul, so that I can give to you all that I do. Do you see that nuance? Ultimately, the purpose is inspiring the leaders, the goddesses, the priestesses of the world to go out and for you to go do your purpose and make changes in this world. But if I'm in that anxiety cycle, that trauma cycle all the time, I can't live my purpose. So my number one job has to be caring for my channel. And I say channel because a lot of my work is divine. I don't write out these podcasts before I do it. I might have a sense of an outline. Or if you're in any class with me, like the Goddess on Purpose class, my signature eight-week course, that's so freaking good. And women like love it and so figure out their purpose. They go and start blogs and businesses. Oh, I'm so excited. It's going to be coming up in a few months and you can always get on the wait list. Just go on PurposeGirl.com and do a contact form and let me know you want on the wait list. And if you've been in any of my courses, you know, I start every class with meditation, with opening up our bodies because my work comes from the divine channeled out. Now, if that isn't making any sense to you, think about it this way. Do you ever notice when you are just like, go, 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 and someone asks you a question and you're just constantly in your head like, yeah, this, 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 this. And it's almost like an anxiety response. You're just responding to everything. You're reacting to everything around you. And then sometimes you just blurt something out and you're like, oh, did I say the right thing? Did I say the wrong thing? That is when kind of that, that's a trauma response. It's a fear response. It's coming from your head out of your mouth. Think about that from your brain out of your mouth versus If you slow it down and you're centered and grounded and you're in your body and you're in your soul, then what happens is what you say, instead of being reactive, it is responsive. And it comes from your body, your gut, up and out of your mouth. And it allows your response for you to know that it is truth instead of just a fear or a trauma response. So the number one thing we need to do is to actually be sure, like critically sure, this is the most important thing, that you have space every day for you. Probably more than one space in the morning where you are sitting with your cup of coffee or tea and staring out at the birds. You are journaling. You're journaling gratitudes. You're grounding into what is good. Maybe you're even journaling out the things that you worry about. And then you're talking back to those fears and worries with what else is true and resetting your mind around that. You're journaling what you need to do that day to get it out of your head and onto paper. You're journaling what you're proud of so you can start setting that as truth moving your body a little bit. Like I stretch every morning because it gets stuck. The trauma response. I woke up in the middle of the night last night with a panic thought. I got out of bed and I had a thought about something I thought I did wrong during the day. And I was so panicked. You would have thought that a tiger was coming to eat me. And I had to be able to go back to sleep after that. And so I actually needed to get out of bed. I needed to like shake. I needed to move. I needed to do deep breaths. Things I'll talk about in a moment. But the 
body response is so strong that we have to be able to breathe. We have to be able to be ahead of things. So you want to make sure you have space every single day. And I'm actually going to be doubling down on that. And I realize I also need some body care. I take on so much from my clients and from being a mama that I actually need acupuncture or massage every week because it gets stuck in your bodies. Have you ever heard the frame, your issues get stuck in your tissues? And what that means is that the fear, the anxiety, the worry gets so stuck in your body if you don't move it out and it gets stuck in your tissues, it gets stuck in your connective tissue, your fascia, that then we wonder why we're tight. We wonder why we have back pain. We wonder why we have all of that because we aren't moving it out. The trauma response gets stuck in our body. And then if I go back a few minutes to the point where I was talking about kind of reacting and you're reacting at your kids and you're reacting at your boss and you're reacting at people, you're reacting, reacting, you're reacting at yourself. You're being so cruel to yourself. It's not you that's being that way. It's your trauma body. Your trauma body that has stored up the pains of divorce or infertility or abuse or bad bosses or breakups from you were young or friendship issues or illnesses. And so number one is we really need to care for this channel. And I'm thinking about my proactive care and my reactive care. And I want you to do the same thing. So I actually made a list in my journal of my proactive care. Space in the morning. I'm going to ground in. What does that mean? It means I put my feet on the ground. I'll do it with you now. Because otherwise we're going, going, going. We're actually never still. And stillness is a divine feminine superpower. And so if I put my feet on the ground, then I can connect down to Mother Earth. I can say to myself, I'm safe. I'm safe. And I like to then take my shoulders up to my ears and down my back and elevate my neck just a tiny bit higher and then to take some deep breaths and ground in. Not being in that erratic, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do space? But grounded, connected. I'm looking at my calendar and I realize that I actually need to start as much as I can a little bit later so that I have space in the morning. And so I've got a bunch of client sessions through February, and then I'm probably going to move my calendar a little bit because that will help me. Even my coach helped me think of this. What can I have on reorder? Can I have diapers on reorder? Can I have toilet paper and Kleenex on reorder on the internet so I don't have to think about going out and buying those things? Or the groceries, the milk, the berries, the bananas, the things that we buy every week just on pre-order. And then at night, shaking. So my coach gave me this idea at night, finish the trauma, the anxiety cycle. So like just shaking my body, I'm doing it right now, like shaking your fingers, shaking your arms, shaking your shoulders, shaking your legs, shaking your head. It's the equivalent of the fight flight. If your body has had stress and worry that day, then you actually have to complete the cycle. So it's the shaking or it's doing a little run in your bedroom or it's dancing. It's some way to move it out of your body. So there's the proactive, right? For me, a daily run. And I was running every day in Paris and then the retreat and then I stopped. So I need to get back to that, right? So the proactive, and I want you to think about what you need from a proactive perspective and actually decide right now you're going to do it. And don't add 10 things because when we add 10 things, 
it's overwhelmed for our brain. It makes us feel, it puts another stress response on, like, what if I don't do the 10 things and it's too much? So pick one thing, one thing. You'll sit down in the morning for five minutes and do deep breathing, meditation. At night, you'll do shaking. At dinner, you'll do gratitudes with your family. Like, just pick one thing and do that one thing every day for a couple weeks. And if you fall off a day, that will kick up your trauma response anxiety cycle because you're going to blame yourself. So just choose in that moment. I'm not not going into self-blame. I'll just pick it back up tomorrow. No problem. I'll pick it back up right now. That's the key is not finding ourselves wrong because when we find ourselves wrong, it kicks in that trauma cycle. So that's the proactive. I want you to think about what you're going to do. And I always love hearing from you. So send me a message, send me a DM on Instagram or Facebook or get into my email, karen at karenrockheim.com. Tell me what you're going to do from a proactive. Now, the reactive takes a little bit more. The reactive is really being able to slow down when you're in that trauma stress response and be able to truly pay attention to what is happening in your mind what is happening in your body and what is happening for you so that you can start to shift the cycle. It all happens so fast. Like I had a situation recently where I was with a group and we had, we were a sect group and then someone wanted to bring someone from the outside in for a meal. And this isn't someone that I particularly care for. And I wasn't going to say anything. And then one person said, well, unless you don't want them to come. And my body went, looked up and then, okay, they knew I didn't want the person to come. And I went into a panic mode. And so I explained, oh, I don't particularly care for this person. And it's like I said too much, right? It was like, and that was coming from the trauma from my head, the fear out of my mouth. When if I'd slowed it down and just taken some deep breaths and just paused I could have felt into what was true and I might have said, okay, because I can enjoy my lunch no matter what. Or I might have said, you know, I've been really looking forward to this and I would love it if it was like our group that we decided. Or I could have said a number of things, but it didn't have to be the trauma response, right? And so that then prevents the, oh my God, why did I say that? Oh my God, I can't believe I said that. If we are slowing it down, and we're getting ahead of our trauma response, then we won't have that issue of why did I do that? The key is to slow it down. And that is challenging because it all happens so fast, right? It's like you're in that moment, whatever the moment is, you're like, ah! it happens so fast. So my coach helped me with this to kind of slow down and look at my trauma body. And even like, who are the different people up there? I often say we've got like a busload of different people up in our brain, right? Like one voice says one thing to you, one voice says another thing. And people often ask me, how do I know if it's truth or fear? Well, when it's fast talking and you blurt it out and you're feeling the anxiety, chances are that it is your fear talking, like I did with this lunch situation. If you feel grounded, And it's coming from a deeper place. It actually gives you peace to say, even if then you have fear, oh my God, is somebody going to be upset with me for it? If it gives you peace, then it's truth. But this is really, it's a process. This is a lot of what I'm going to be doing in Unleashing is teaching 
with the women in the program how to know this process and work with their body. So the slowing down first identified with my coach is the first voice is like this, what she called trauma dick, right? Like it's a voice that says, you did it wrong. Why'd you do that? You screwed up, right? Very black and white and very harsh. She said, okay, then do you take action? And I paused and I listened to what was happening in my brain. And I was in a safe space with her so I could really go into this. I said, no, there's another voice in there. And it actually looks like a little girl, like a little redheaded cartoon girl. And she's taunting me. Her name is Susie. I don't know why Susie. It's just what came to me. And she's like, you're a loser. Nobody likes you. Nah, 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 nah. And she like taunts me. You're such a loser. You're such a loser. People hate you. And she is the one who goes on and on. Now, most people I know, when they hear this inner critic, inner asshole, inner voice, you want to just shut it off, right? You want to just go, fuck you. Well, that would be nice. And sometimes that works. But I find when we just shut it down, it comes back because it's there for a reason. Remember, it's trying to protect you. And if it's trying to protect you and you just shove it away, you put it in a box in the closet, if it wants to protect you, it's going to jump out of the closet and try to help you. And that's why it will come back louder and louder and louder until you pay attention. So those voices, they want to be heard. And they almost, it's like even feeling in what do you want me to know? What are you so scared about? And if you can do that, they will often tell you. And so I've got those two voices. And then my trauma response, though, if I don't slow it down, is based on trauma dick and then Susie taunting me, a voice inside of me that I'll call nervous Nelly. she jumps in and she's like, okay, what do I have to do to fix it? Okay, I'll send these emails to get these people to like me. Okay, I'll tell these people this person can come to lunch. I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. What do I have to do to fix it? And it's almost like my eight-year-old when I was in the bedroom going, can't we all just get along? Can't we all just get along? I created this nervous Nelly who is in reactive mode all the time. I'll do more. I'll do more. I'll do more. In fact, when I start to feel anxious, even when I was going through the years of the miscarriages, when I start to feel anxious... The thing that Nervous Nelly would do, I didn't realize it at the time. I'm only realizing this now. She would go say, okay, let's create another program. Let's do more work, right? It's like she's the one who became kind of a workaholic. Like, we'll do more work. What else can I do? What else can I do? Or if I get fear around having a business, what else can I sell? What else can I sell? And she like thinks that she's helping me a lot. She's very fix-it oriented. Thank you, Nervous Nelly. But when she jumps into what are we going to do and does it so fast, then she doesn't necessarily do the thing that I ultimately would want or would be in my best interest. So she will move into reactive mode and she ends up, she thinks she's fixing it, but sometimes makes more problems for me. Because like with a client once who wanted to do some work, but it didn't fit into kind of my set packages and the way that I work, Nervous Nelly got so nervous that this client was going to walk away from me that she's like, okay, I'll just do this. And then I ended up agreeing to work that wasn't in alignment for me and wasn't in pricing that was in alignment. And then I ended up feeling crappy because I wasn't in my own truth and in my own power. And so sure, Nervous Nelly kept that client for a little bit, but not in a way that felt good, right? And so if you're like, why did I say this? Why did I say that? Like in a meeting or with friends, it might be your own Nervous Nelly that is acting on your behalf, but she's acting from your stress brain as opposed to your inner wisdom response. 
And then there's this other voice that I have. And she is what I call my sanctimonious bitch. And she pops in and she's like, F all these people. I'm so much better than them. I hate them all. I can do everything myself. I don't need anyone. I don't need this. I'm out. She's like super cool, right? She wears like tall black patent leather boots. She wears like leather tops. She's super dark. She's almost like a dominatrix. She hates everybody. And listen, when I was a little girl, I was like so sunshine happy. I wasn't allowed this like dark side. So I built up this sanctimonious bitch inside of me who I used to be ashamed of that she would actually think was better than other people or she would judge or she would be mean. And I would never speak from her. But she's in my mind, right? And then I'm sure she contributes then to me having some outbreaks. Like I then will have an outbreak with Josh coming from a trauma response when I'm triggered I'm all alone. And then I'll jump into, you don't care and you're not doing anything right here, right? It's like, so there's the sanctimonious bitch coming in. And it all kind of gets jumbled. But to know the different parts of you, when sanctimonious bitch, and as women, I think we try to just push her down like, oh, I shouldn't judge. I shouldn't be jealous. I shouldn't. Well, let's just be human for a minute. Again, we have these parts of our bodies of our trauma response in order to protect us. And my sanctimonious bitch is there just to protect me. Do I want to listen to her and act from her? No. But if I don't give her voice, she just speaks even louder. So I then need to allow space when I slow it down. All right, sanctimonious bitch, what do you want to say about this? And she doesn't have all bad points. So I was in a group setting recently where the group leader put me on the spot and in a tough situation in front of other people. Sanctimonious bitch was like, she sucks. Never want to be here again. I could have done it way better. Now, I wanted to say all that to this person. (laughs) And instead, after I had gone through my cycle and paused and felt in, a couple days later, I came back and said, hey, can we talk about this? Here's something I wish you had done differently. Here's how this impacted me. Right? So it's not that she has all bad things to say, but do I act from her? And I have acted from her plenty, my friends, plenty. And then when I act from her, I just get more anxious. Like, I have acted from her when I've been on the phone with like Verizon Wireless and they can't fix something or the airline and they can't fix something like sanctimonious bitch comes out. And then I always feel bad because those people are just trying to do their job. So all of this is my trauma body is reacting to the situation at hand, to the trigger. When if we slow it down, so then you can start to hear what each voice is trying to say to you and then implement a strategy. And here's mine. I then need to bring in what I call my gentle mama. And gentle mama takes nervous Nellie into her arms and hugs her and puts her hands on her cheeks and pets her hair and holds her and says, I love you. I love you. It's going to be okay. You're safe. And she diffuses nervous Nellie so that nervous Nellie doesn't have to act. She lets nervous Nellie know we're going to be okay no matter what. We got it. And while she's caring for Nervous Nellie, while Gentle Mama is holding Nervous Nellie, now I can bring in my truth priestess, my deepest inner wisdom, because my body is more calm. And then I can take a deep breath. I can go inside and ask myself, what is true? What do I need? What do I want? What would I like to do? And I can ask her, do I need to journal? 
Do I need to regulate? Do I need to go for a run? What is true for me? What are my needs? Like when I went through this process, I realized I needed to say to this group leader, hey, can we have a phone call and chat about this? Right? But from a different perspective. Then based on what the, the truth priestess, the inner wisdom tells me I need, now I, Karen, can act and operate from a place of depth. And that feels so much more grounded. Now, I will tell you, my coach and I came up with this process about a week ago. I mean, this is all very new. We came up with this process about a week ago, and I am working it all the time. And it's hard. You're in the moment to work a process all the time. But it's so valuable. It's so valuable. And the more you work a process, the more it becomes natural and you don't have to sit down. Like right now, I sit down and I write out each voice. Okay, voice. Okay, trauma dick, what are you trying to say to me? Okay, Nellie, what are you trying to do? But it's worth it. Because I'm going to be a better wife. I'm going to be a better leader. I'm going to be a better coach. I'm going to be a better mother. I'm going to be a better all of it. I'm going to feel better. I'm going to be happier. Right? Like I'm an exceptionally happy person, but the anxiety doesn't feel good. And acting from the anxiety feels like crap. So I want to start responding from peace. And so your opportunity here is to hear my cycle and then go through it yourself. Slow it down. What are your own inner voices? What does each voice need? What is each voice trying to say to you? What's your own process to work with that voice? And always, 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 sisters, end it with some movement. I realized that that was a piece that I had been missing. And remember, the anxiety, the trauma, the stress response from thousands of years ago is that our bodies had to fight or flee. They had to run, had to move. And so we need to complete that cycle too. And that's why I'm doing it now at the end of every day because we have stressors all day. I'm also now trying to just find in the middle of the day, there are a couple of times in the middle of the day where for one minute... I can pause and breathe. Or one minute, I can move my body and shake like I'm doing it right now. So I'm podcasting, but I'm shaking my hands for one minute, 30 seconds to work some of the tools because I don't want your nervous system getting in the way of your purpose. People come to me and they think that the issue with living their purpose is you don't know how. The how is easy. I can teach you how. You can join my Goddess on Purpose class that will be coming up in a few months. Like I said, get on the wait list. I will teach you how. The bigger thing that gets in the way is the doubt and the fear and the shame and the old trauma that sits in your body. That when we can work with that nervous system, woo, we can take you far toward your dreams. And that's my desire for you. So purpose power tips from this, God, there's so much. Number one, get clear on your own anxiety or trauma response. Slow it down. Get to know those voices feel into what do you need? Do you need that moment of gentle mama self-compassion? Do you need a mantra? I forgot to mention that part. I was working with a client yesterday. She has a lot of anxiety and we talked about her mantra being, I can trust the words I say and I am safe. And if she goes into a situation where she's afraid to speak, consistently saying, I can trust the words I say and I am safe. So purpose power tip one, get to know your 
trauma cycle, slow it down, to figure out what you need, perhaps a mantra, perhaps a gentle mama, the deep breaths, the going in. Three, have a proactive cycle. That's where affirmations come in all day long. I am safe. I am safe. One I didn't talk about and we're running out of time, um, but is another good one, finding evidence for the opposite of what the anxiety says. Evidence that I am not alone. Evidence that I am lovable. I also had a big one. I realized that I can't trust myself. Well, I did a beautiful exercise with my coach and my mastermind group recently around all the ways that I have trusted myself and it's worked out. Like when a doctor told me that I could deliver Shay at 40 weeks, even though I had a life-threatening pregnancy condition, my body, my intuition said, no, I cannot. I need to deliver earlier. I went to a different specialist. I got a second opinion. She was right. If I had listened to that other doctor, he would have died. And I have so many examples of that, including even turning things that seemed like I couldn't trust myself, like being in that relationship when I was 17. But I trusted myself to get out of it. And I trusted myself when this person came back into my life 20 years later, I trusted myself to block them. So Find the evidence that is the truth as opposed to the anxiety and the worry that is not. And I want to hear from you. And I definitely want to start seeing you in my circles. If you listen to the Purpose Girl podcast and you're not in the Purpose Girls Facebook group, go join right now. Every day we post prompts, we post ideas. I do a live there every single Monday. It is the Purpose Power Up show where I'm live, interactive with you, teaching you. Get on my newsletter right now to be the first to know when Goddess on Purpose is coming up. It is a life-changing course. Women do it two, three, four times. That's how much they love it. Not because they didn't get anything out of it, but because they love it so much that they keep getting more and more and more. You can find all that on PurposeGirl.com. Of course, share this podcast with every woman you know. That's how we change the world one woman at a time. And with that, my love, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself. And may you love life. Bye for now.